Hello everyone and welcome to Surveillance Report 63 where we are dedicated to keeping you private and secure with the latest news. This report recaps some of the most notable events in the last week, including some court updates from Google and Apple, a bunch of political news, and more. I am Nathan from The New Oil. Henry is away this week on adventures in privacy and security, but will be returning soon. This week, our affiliate link that we want to highlight is Simple Login. Simple Login is an email forwarding service. Basically, the way this works is you sign up for an account, you tell it what your actual inbox is, like uh, you know your ProtonMail or your Tutanota or whatever, and then you can generate email addresses to hand those out instead of your actual email address. And you can give a new one to every single website if you want. So what this does for you is it allows you to hide your real email address from data breaches and attackers. It allows you to easily block spam because once you start getting spam from one of those email addresses, you just delete it. It will help break up your marketing profile a little bit for all those data brokers. And the beauty is you can manage it all from your usual inbox because it all forwards to the same inbox if you want it to. So it really doesn't make life any harder on your end it's very easy to manage. Simple Login has a premium version that I believe is $30 a year, but I mean, their free version is extremely generous as well. So if you are not using a service like this, we definitely encourage you to check it out. Both TechLore and The New Oil have affiliate links with Simple Login. We will leave those in the description that you can use if you want to help support us and check out the program. And of course, we will also leave the regular non-affiliate link as well if you would prefer that. With that out of the way, let's get into data breaches. We're going to start off in China, where China says a foreign spy agency hacked its airlines and stole passenger records. China claims that this was a foreign intelligence agency and it happened in 2020, but they have declined to formally name who. That's pretty much all we know. They haven't really given us a whole lot of details on exactly who was targeted, what data was stolen, or why. But it is worth noting this story because it is extremely rare for China to admit to hacks like this. Our next data breach is probably one you've seen making the rounds. Robinhood has disclosed a data breach impacting 7 million customers. This attack occurred on November 3rd when, quote, a threat actor called a customer support employee and used social engineering to obtain access to customer support systems, unquote. The information stolen includes email addresses, full names, dates of birth, zip codes, and more. It's worth noting that not everybody was impacted for the same amount of information, like, you know, 5 million people had this stolen, 2 million people had that stolen, stuff like that. But altogether, that's what was taken. According to Robinhood, this did not include social security numbers, bank account numbers, or debit card numbers, so fortunately that information is safe. But, I mean... Full names, dates of birth, addresses, that's still probably enough to, you know, steal somebody's credit, commit some fraud. Uh, another article that we will include says the attackers also had access to internal company tools that could do things like disable two-factor, remove or add authorized devices, and more. So that is extremely troubling. Uh, I guess the moral here is, um, as usual, like, try to provide as little information as possible, freeze your credit, yeah, and just... uh. I guess just be careful with this kind of stuff. Like, unfortunately, there's not much you can do there if you want to uh, trade stocks individually. Robinhood is really one of the easiest platforms around for that. But just be aware that they're kind of newcomers and they're, you know, this is not their first data breach. So just be, be careful, I guess. That's all I'm saying. Our next story comes from Void Balor, hackers for hire who were selling stolen mailboxes and private data. I'm going to quote the article. A hacker for hire group called Void Balar has been stealing emails and highly sensitive information for more than five years. It is believed that they were compromising these accounts by bribing insiders. 
Um, however, I have questions about that because the affected individuals include Gmail, ProtonMail, Mail.ru, Rambler.ru, Yandex.ru, VK.com, which is kind of like Russia's version of Facebook for those who don't know, Telegram, and other corporate emails. I did reach out to ProtonMail and I asked them to clarify how this is possible because uh, from what I understand of Proton's architecture is the insiders would not be able to access your inbox. But the uh, I, I did a little bit of research into this and I don't see any indication that they like stole individual login credentials, which I think would be the only way they'd be able to access Proton inboxes. So I don't know if we hear anything, we'll update you. But as of yet, I've not heard back. I mean, I did just email them the other day, so it, it might take them a few days to get back to me. But as of yet, we haven't heard anything back for the record. That is not me saying Proton's a honeypot, Proton's cracked, Proton's compromised, blah, blah, blah. That's not me saying that. I'm sure there is a logical explanation that the articles simply didn't cover because you got to remember a lot of these articles really don't give you details. They're not research papers. They're just, you know, plain English. Hey, this happened. So I, I'm sure there is an explanation, but as of yet, we don't know. And I'm hoping to get more. As, as I said, if I hear anything, I'll let you guys know. Back to the article. This group, Void Belore, actually did expand in recent years to include things like passports and flight information, traffic camera snapshots, traffic police data like fines and vehicle registrations, weapon registration, criminal records, credit card history, bank account balances and statements, and tax service records. This was mostly focused on Russia. So, yeah, I mean, in case you can't tell by the mail.ru, Rambler, Yandex, VK, uh, I guess the moral on that one is... Just remember, email was never meant to be secure. Email is not secure. Even like encrypted providers like Tutanota and Proton, they have their flaws. There are problems with the architecture of email. And, you know, any uh, anything you put in digital format, just be aware that it might become public. And our last data breach of the week, Costco has disclosed a data breach after finding a credit card skimmer on a single payment terminal at one store. So kind of a limited thing, but it's worth having on your radar. These kind of skimmers, this one collected name, card number, card expiration date, and CVV, which is that little three-digit code on the back of the card. So all the information they need to use that card. So the reminder here is to pay in cash. Like I said, kind of a limited thing, but just a reminder that these things are out there. They happen. They happen all the time. Uh... My brother has had his card stolen like four times uh, in the last few years just from, you know, people putting those at gas stations and stuff. So this stuff happens. Pay in cash. All right, with that, let's move into company news. And we're going to start with Google, who has won an appeal against a UK class action style suit seeking damages for Safari tracking. I'm going to quote the article. Google has won an appeal at the UK Supreme Court, avoiding what could have been up to a $3 billion I believe that's pound, fine, in damages had it lost the case. The litigation was brought by a veteran consumer rights campaigner who has been alleging Google applied a Safari workaround to override iPhone user privacy settings in Apple Safari browser between 2011 and 2012. So basically, Google was tracking you on iOS Safari, even if you told it not to, and this person was suing them for that. I'm going to quote the article again. The Supreme Court justices took the view that damage or loss must be suffered to claim compensation and that the need to provide damage or loss on an individual basis cannot be skipped. In other words, compensation cannot simply be applied uniformly for loss of control of personal data for each member of the claimed representative class. So basically, you have to prove that you were actually damaged by this. You can't just say, 
they weren't doing the right thing and, you know, my data was collected even though it wasn't supposed to be, you have to prove you were actually impacted, which is the most ridiculous thing because if somebody breaks into my house, I don't think I have to prove that they took anything in order to sue them for breaking into my house, but whatever. Uh, I'm going to quote the article one last time because there is some hope with this. It says, although the Supreme Court found in favor of Google, this was a case primarily about the legal mechanisms to bring such claims under the now repealed 1998 Data Protection Act and not about the overarching rights and principles of data protection law. So in other words, there is still the possibility that uh, other privacy suits for this type of thing can still happen because this wasn't about the principle in in question. It was really more about – a different law and like they said the legal mechanisms like it all kind of went over my head but the point is there is hope there there can still be other lawsuits this is not like you know google can do whatever they want forever you know it's basically like this is not one way to hold google accountable we will have to find others but those do still exist so all right our next story is also a court story and it comes from apple and it says a judge orders apple to allow external payment options for the app store by december 9th denying a stay this comes from the Epic versus Apple lawsuit, which I'm starting to wonder if Apple really regrets taking that one to court now. But the judge says that Apple must comply with an order to let developers add links and buttons to external payment options. Uh, originally, Apple had asked I, – I believe that this ruling is not new. What I think is new is that Apple had asked for a, kind of an indefinite pause so that they could – figure out the logistics of all this and whatnot, but they didn't say how long they needed. They were just kind of like, well, we need time, so let's let's put a pin on this. And so the judge basically responded with like, well, you're not giving us an actual date. You're not saying how much time you need, so you're probably just stalling because you suck, and no. So now your deadline is December 9th. You've got less than a month to make this happen. And of course, Apple says they plan to appeal this, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll be keeping you updated on what's going on with this in the near future. Our next story comes from Microsoft, where it says Microsoft will now switch snitch on you at work like never before. So Microsoft is rolling out a bunch of new tools for admins, including, quote, insider risk management and increased visibility on browsers. This is clearly meant to target insider threats, including whistleblowers. It looks for files copied to personal cloud storage, files printed to local or network devices, files transferred or copied to a network share, files copied to USB devices. However, the really concerning part here as if that wasn't concerning enough. This initiative also includes machine learning and can calculate, quote, insights related to the individual's behavior, character, or performance materially related to employment, unquote. Uh, I, I know there's like those last four words, materially related to employment, but, you know, these things always get abused. So, yeah, basically, in addition to... Uh, watching your browsers and all your file transfers, now Microsoft will allow administrators to use machine learning to basically learn more about you as an employee, which is, yeah, just spying on you like never before, as as the headline says. So um, if you are working for a company that uses Microsoft and you have to be in that ecosystem, just be aware of that. You're being spied on more and more. Our next story comes from TikTok. It says, the sneaky way TikTok is connecting you to real-life friends. Um, This is actually not new. I I sent this to my partner, who I've said before, uses TikTok, and she kind of texted me back, and she's like, yeah, they've they've been doing this for a while, actually. Basically, when TikTok first started, they didn't really make any efforts to connect you with real-life people. You know, like a lot of apps, like even Signal. When you download Signal, it'll read your contacts list, unless you tell it no. It'll read your contacts list. And then it'll say, hey, this person's on signal, this person's on signal, this person's on signal. Do you want to connect with them? Uh, TikTok never did that before. It was kind of like just download it and start going, kind of kind of like Reddit. It didn't really try to figure out, hey, here's all your friends you know on Reddit. It just lets you be. Well, now 
they're changing that. They are trying to connect you to real life people. If you are a TikTok user or know any TikTok users, let them know that it's about to start connecting them to family and friends. And, you know, it's about to get really even more invasive. And as those of us who are into privacy know, like when you're being watched and you know you're being watched, it changes how you behave. So just uh, something to be aware of. And our last business story, it says the dawn of tapography. Does your smartphone know how you feel before you do? So there's a company called Quant Actions, and they have published a proof, uh, proof of concept that tapping on your touchscreen can be used to infer medical information like sleeping patterns, depression, and epileptic episodes. This is being called digital phenotyping, and it pretty much includes all the health data collected digitally, like smartphones and wearables and stuff like that. So um, this is just one part of digital phenotyping. You know, it includes all that data. We have talked in the past about companies like Apple who are trying to include more health data. You know, the originally when the Apple Watch came out, I think pretty much all it could do was in terms of health was like count steps and your pulse. And now it can like calculate your blood sugar and like all kinds of crazy stuff. And, you know, again, we've also talked recently about how Apple's trying to like notice and diagnose things like ADHD and depression and stuff like that. Yeah, so I mean, like the tapping of your phone is the next frontier for that. And this company is one of the companies behind that. And, you know, I, I mean, uh, some of it is pretty obvious. Like when they say sleeping patterns, if you're up at two in the morning scrolling on your phone, then obviously you're awake. But, you know, then some of it is is a little more subtle, like depression and epileptic episodes just from your tapping. In some ways, people believe this could be more accurate because typically mental illness relies on self-reporting. So this could be a good way to alert people like, hey, you might have depression. You might want to get that looked at by a doctor. On the other hand, so far, the studies in this field have been very small sample sizes, like a couple dozen people. Uh, for those who don't know, I think a thousand is like the minimum pool for an accurate sample size. Um, so yeah, way, way short of an accurate sample size. Research bias is definitely present. For example, like good demographic representation. It's kind of very homogenous right now in terms of who they're sampling. And then of course, there are the obvious privacy issues that which we are talking about. Like, will you be able to opt out of this? Who is allowed to use that information? Like employers and insurance companies, how are they allowed to use it, et cetera, et cetera. Something to be aware of. And as with everything, we'll keep you updated if we hear anything. That wraps up companies. We're now gonna move into research and we're gonna start with research that Apple CSAM scanning can be fooled very easily. We have already covered a similar story like this uh, quite some time ago. This is just more proof that backs up these stories. This comes out of Imperial College in London who has presented a quote, simple method. The article did mention a few possible solutions that uh, would make hash collisions like this harder. The problem is that all of those solutions either make the CSAM scanning less effective or they cause more privacy invasions due to like requiring more information about the photo or like spying more intently on individuals. There's kind of really no winning with this one because, um, you know, this is now what? I think this is the second one we've covered, but I'm pretty sure I've seen more stories about how the scanning is just not good. But it seems like there's really no good ways to fix that either. So, yeah. Our next story is called The Invisible JavaScript Backdoor. Uh, this is another one of those articles that kind of went over my head a little bit because he was very technical and he posted a lot of code. But if I understood correctly, I think what they were describing was the, the author of this post accidentally stumbled on a way to basically inject code into JavaScript that is invisible. Like even when you're looking at the code, you can't see that it's there. So the JavaScript could still be carrying out commands and you're looking at it and you could look at it and be like, oh, it looks clean. It's not doing anything, but it, it is because they found a way to make the commands invisible. So yeah, this is uh, just more proof that JavaScript is dangerous and you should disable it every chance you get because 
JavaScript is so dangerous. Our next story is a survey about healthcare security. This comes from a cybersecurity company called Armis. They interviewed 400 IT professionals working in healthcare, plus 2,030, quote, general respondents. I'm not sure what that means, but yeah, so that was their sample size. That mostly focuses on these people's concerns relating to uh, devices, security, data protection in the healthcare environment. There's a lot of statistics in here. So I definitely encourage you to go through, uh, at very least skim it, check it out, because there's some good information. The big statistic that stuck out to me, 60% of IT respondents said that they had dealt with a ransomware incident in the last year at their organization. So more than half of IT healthcare workers have dealt with ransomware in the last year. That's really worrying. Um, on the plus side, one of these statistics further down in the article says that more uh, more than half of the respondents say that spending in IT is up because people are starting to realize it's becoming an increasingly dangerous world. IT needs more money to be better equipped, to be better staffed, resourced, whatever, to fight off these invasions. So that's the good side. The spending is going up. And our last research story, EU pharmaceutical giants run old vulnerable apps and fail to use encryption in login forms. I'm gonna quote the article a whole bunch here because I mean, they just had little sentences here and there that said it best. On Thursday, Outpost 24 published new research that claims the top 10 pharmaceutical countries in the region are all failing to maintain a robust security posture with 80% considered to be critically exposed to the risk of cyber attack. According to the report, EU pharmaceutical businesses often run large numbers of web applications and 3.3% of those scanned by the firm were deemed suspicious, including open test environments that should have been closed. In addition, 18% of organizations analyzed are using outdated, unpatched web components that contain known vulnerabilities. Abilities. And then I kind of summarized this last one. Also, 23.74% of U.S. healthcare organization apps are outdated. The last quote, Outpost 24 said that basic SSL failures, privacy policy misconfigurations, and cookie settings also feature as common security and compliance problems. So long story short, healthcare is a security mess. Uh, try not to use the apps. Try not to use the websites. Try to do everything you have to do in person, in cash, and, uh, you know, just try to limit technological involvement as much as possible. I know we're in a very tech world these days. That's very hard to do, but just as much as possible, try to limit that because yeah, it's, it's still an absolute freaking mess. And with that, let's move into politics. This is going to be a really big section this week. So, um, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Bear with me. We're going to start off with a headline that says hackers have breached organizations in defense and other sensitive sectors. Security firm says, Quoting the article, suspected foreign hackers have breached nine organizations in the defense, energy, healthcare, technology, and education sectors, and at least one of those organizations is in the U.S., according to findings that security firm Palo Alto Networks shared exclusively with CNN. In this case, the hackers have stolen passwords from some targeted organizations with the goal of maintaining long-term access to those networks. This appeared to be phase one of this attack. They are expecting more targets in the near future, and I believe they have not identified any kind of uh, payloads or anything. So again, this is part one where they're just trying to get that access. They declined to identify the attackers, so they know who they are. They just haven't publicly illustrated. stated it. And this story just illustrates that cyber operations are very prevalent. Um, This is a personal opinion. I believe we are in the middle of a global cyber war. Like, I believe we are in World War I, but digitally. That's just my opinion. I've heard some people agree with me. I've heard other people be like, nah, that's overblown. But uh, so, I mean, I'm I'm not saying I'm right, but that's, that's how I feel. So I think 
this stuff is happening all the time and it's only going to keep happening because, you know, everywhere is the Western Front right now. I think that's World War II, but still. Point being, this this stuff is, uh, whether we are in a cyber, like, world war or not, this stuff is extremely common, and you need to be aware of that. This next story was a little bit of a big one. It says the U.S. Treasury is buying private app data to target and investigate people. Quoting the article, two contracts obtained via a Freedom of Information Act request show that over the past four months, the Treasury acquired two powerful new data feeds from Babel Street, one for its sanctions enforcement branch and one for the IRS, Internal Revenue Service. Both feeds enable government use of sensitive data collected by private companies not subject to due process restrictions. Critics were particularly alarmed that the Treasury required ac- acquired access access to location and other data harvested from smartphone apps. So the first of these contracts allows the office, uh, I'm not quoting anymore, the first of these contracts allows the Office of Foreign Asset Control to track individual movements without a warrant. This information is gleaned from mobile apps, you know, things like weather apps, and I mean, they didn't say this, but you know, things that typically, these are things like weather apps and, uh, you know, just stuff like that, that seem harmless and one of those third-party companies is sucking up all that location data and selling it to the government. The second one uses, quote, public-facing digital media records, unquote, to detect individuals and small business owners who are believed to be dodging taxes. And that public-facing digital media records includes things like Facebook and Twitter. Um, and that's the one the IRS is using. So basically, the the big issue here is, and this is not new, this is something we've been dealing with for a long time, the government is increasingly relying on these third-party companies to buy sensitive data, and that kind of gets them around warrant requirements. It used to be that if the IRS thought that somebody was dodging taxes, they had to go show a judge and say, here's our evidence, and here's why we think this is the case, and then the judge will say, okay, here's a warrant, you can go search them, or you can go arrest them, or you can go get their bank records, or whatever the case may be, but increasingly... Government agencies are just bypassing that altogether and saying like, well, hey, here's $10,000 to this private company who scooped up data that says this person is behaving a lot like a known tax dodger. So now we think that they're attacked. It's just it's just bypassing the legal protections that are supposed to be in place to keep the government in check. And then um, I'm, I'm not really going to go deep into this one because the story is very similar, but the headline says data broker Veriset gave bulk device level GPS data to the D.C. government. This one is coming from EFF, and it's just kind of the same thing. You know, the government is using these third party companies to bypass the checks and balances that are in place and just pay their way, you know, pay to win. They're just paying their way into getting the data that they're supposed to need a warrant for. Our next story, experts tout $2 billion in cybersecurity funding in Biden's infrastructure bill. So the reason we're uh, commenting on this story, because we don't usually comment on stories that are in progress uh, in terms of like laws and stuff, because this bill has passed Congress. And uh, last I heard, last I read in this article, it was on Biden's desk. So it's probably going to be passed. I I don't think he's going to veto it. I think this was actually his idea. So the bill includes $1 billion in funding to various governments to help boost cybersecurity over the next four years. If you want to read the article, it will break down exactly how much money is going where, and it's just good to see that we're starting to take steps to improve our cybersecurity as a country. Our next story is also about a bill and a law. It says Biden signs bill to secure telecoms against national security threats. This is not the same bill as the previous one, if I understand correctly. I I did try to check that. Uh, This is a bill that uh, blocks U.S. companies from using FCC funds to purchase communications equipment and services that the U.S. government considers a national security threat. A lot of articles have been saying that this is basically the U.S. banning Huawei and ZTE. 
like I said, not necessarily. They just can't use government money to purchase things from those companies. So, uh, I mean, I don't really know how how much companies use government money. So maybe that does effectively block those those companies. Uh, maybe not. But yeah, it's uh, that's that's what the actual text of it says. Our next story is an update. It says Missouri apologizes to 600,000 teachers who had social security numbers and private information exposed. So this was a story we discussed previously about a reporter who had noticed that if you viewed the source code of a government website, a state website, then you could see all this sensitive information. And this reporter responsibly disclosed this to the relevant parties who are idiots and promptly tried to sue him and threaten him by saying he was a hacker and he broke the law and blah, 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 blah. So unfortunately, we don't have any kind of update on that part of the story in terms of what's happening with that reporter and whether the government has pulled their heads out of their rear ends or not. But the state has formally apologized to the people who were affected and offered support for anyone who is harmed, you know, in the form of like identity theft services and stuff like that. All I can think of is the legendary video from South Park uh, if in the, the Deepwater Horizon episode where it's just the CEO, just, we're sorry. We are deeply sorry. We're sorry. All right, our next story comes out of New York, and it's a really quick one. The title says it all. It says, New York State requires private employers to notify employees of electronic monitoring. That's pretty much it. So now in New York, uh, employers have to let their employees know any electronic monitoring they do. You know, whether that's spyware on the computer or like security cameras at work. Pretty straightforward. With that, we will go to the EU, where the first story says, Commission proposes a trusted and secure digital identity for all Europeans. I'm going to quote the article. The Commission today proposed a framework for a European digital identity, which will be available to all EU citizens, residents, and businesses in the EU. Citizens will be able to prove their identity and share electronic documents from their European digital identity wallets with the click of a button on their phone. They will be able to access online services with their national digital identification, which will be recognized throughout Europe. Very large platforms will be required to accept the use of European digital identity wallets upon request of the user, for example, to prove their age. Use of the European digital identity wallet will always be at the choice of the user. So this is claiming that users will be in control of their data. Uh, I'm going to quote again. The European digital identity wallets will enable people to choose which aspects of their identity, data, and certificates they share with third parties and to keep track of such sharing. User controls ensure that only information that needs to be shared will be shared. I'm assuming that people are people no matter where they live. And even in the EU, there will be people who don't understand what they're doing and don't understand that all they need to do is hit this button here and send only, you know, their name or something and not this button here. This sends everything and vice versa. I'm sure there will be companies that say, oh, we need everything when in reality, all they need is your age. So, um, yeah, I'm already seeing that pop up. There's, of course, the never ending questions about how will this data be secured? <coughs> it won't. Um, you know, who are they going to sell access to? Uh, what? Where are they going to pull this data? Who's going to have access to it? Just, yeah, it's... No. I um, I hate to editorialize, but I have no doubt that this is not going to go smoothly. And on the topic of the EU, we have an update. Previously, we talked about chat control. Uh, I know I wrote a whole blog post about it for Decentralized Today because everybody lost their collective minds and there was all kinds of uh, FUD going around. That's fear, uncertainty, doubt for those who don't know. Just conspiracy theories, basically. Everybody going around with, they're going to backdoor our phones and blah, 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 blah. And, like, that's not at all what it was, but still. It wasn't great, but still. Like, realism, people. Basically, the government is in favor of making it mandatory. 
the headline says, EU interior ministers welcome mandatory chat control for all smartphones. And quoting the article, at the meeting of EU interior ministers in Bordeaux, Slovenia, the government representatives today spoke out in favor of mandatory screening of our private communications. Um, the article goes on. I mean, this is written by a, a politician who opposes chat control, rightfully so. But, I mean, yeah, that's that's basically the story is the government, the EU, for the most part, seems to be all about this and all aboard and wants to do it. Educate yourselves on chat control if you live in the EU and please speak up to your politicians and the EU commission and whoever is relevant and let them know that this is a terrible idea. And um, if you have more questions about chat control, we covered that in a previous surveillance report. We'll leave that alone. We'll go to Australia, where Clearview AI has officially been kicked out of Australia for violating the country's privacy policies. Now, the key word here is officially. This is formal, but it's really unclear, at least to me, how binding this order is and if Clearview is actually going to comply. Because basically, uh, the order was just like, yes, you violated country privacy laws, stop doing that. And based on Clearview's business model, stop doing that basically means GTFO. But uh, they didn't actually say Clearview has 30 days to cease operations in Australia or anything like that. So yeah, uh, Australia has kind of cracked down on Clearview, but we will see what actually comes out of that in practice. Hopefully, Something good. And on the topic of Australia, my health record mobile app is set to launch in early 2022. So this is, from what I understand, this is the official health app for all of Australia, and it is opt-in. You don't have to join it, but it's basically just a digital app that you can download that, you know, has all your health records, and you can easily carry them around with you and show them to your doctor or whatever. So yeah, this is just, they're adding a mobile app to go with that system. Um, I don't think you need a mobile app. I, I think that's taking it a little far. Like, I see the value of having something like this system. I don't know why you need to have it on your phone 24-7, but uh, just something to have on your radar if you're an Australian. With that, we will move north to Seoul, South Korea, who has announced they will be the first city government to join Facebook's metaverse. On November 3rd, the South Korean capital announced a plan to make a variety of public services and cultural events available in the metaverse. If the plan is successful, Seoul residents can visit a virtual city hall to do everything from touring historic sites to filing a civil complaint by donning virtual reality goggles. So, yeah, unfortunately, it looks like everybody's real eager to lean into this metaverse thing. That will not go well. Um, try to avoid it, Seoul. Please. Please don't do it. Our next story says hackers targeted Apple devices in Hong Kong for a widespread attack. Um, so some background. This story actually applies to another article I saw. Basically, Apple has not been applying security updates equally despite the fact that they are able to. They are only pushing out updates to newer operating systems, even though older ones are capable of receiving those same security updates. Uh, I don't know if that's laziness or if that's to try and, like, prod people to update to the newer ones i don't, I don't know like because i'm certain they haven't been advertising that fact so i don't know what the the deal is there maybe they're just being cheap but either way that is that is the background that is where we're coming from so because not everybody's getting been getting those security updates it's suspected that these were state actors have been using those vulnerabilities in Macs to track dissidents in hong kong from journalists to activists and they're looking for things like people who visited pro-democracy websites Part of this attack actually involved compromising the website itself in a way that, uh, from what I understand in the article, isn't really clear at this time. Like, we're not really sure how they compromised the websites, but somehow they did, and that led to, in turn, compromising the Apple devices that were vulnerable, and now journalists and activists and everybody in Hong Kong 
who visited these websites are now being tracked. So yeah, lovely. I guess the defense on that one is just try to keep your stuff updated. Cause uh, like I said, like these were outdated operating systems. Like uh, think of it like, like how Windows 10 is, you know, now there's Windows 11. So it would be like if, if Microsoft was not pushing updates to Windows 10, but they were pushing them to Windows 11. So um, I, I don't know, like I'm not a, a latest and greatest type of guy, but security updates are important. So if your devices aren't receiving security updates, that's definitely time to upgrade. All right, and our last story, and I can already hear all the conspiracy theorists crawling out of the woodworks to leave their racist comments. Israel escalates surveillance of Palestinians with facial recognition program in the West Bank. So this has actually been rolling out slowly over two years. This is not a sudden thing. One part of this program involved the use of Blue Wolf, which is an app that allowed Israeli soldiers to take photos of Palestinians, and that photo would use facial recognition to tell the soldier this person needs to be detained, this person needs to be arrested, or like just let this person go, we don't need anything from them. This app includes photos of children and elderly people, and actually uh, the article explains how they gamified the collection process to basically encourage soldiers to take pictures of Palestinians to like ramp up the database and really get it off the ground quick. So that's pretty screwed up. Uh, a similar facial recognition technology was added to various checkpoints and CCTV cameras and often identifies people before they even present ID. So yeah, that's, um, that's really invasive. And that's where we're at right now with the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And I will just leave it at that. That was a ton of political news. With that, we're going to go into FOSS, free and open source software, and unfortunately, I only have one story for you guys this week, but it is kind of cool. Tor Browser 11 removes V2 Onion URL support and adds new UI. So uh, V2 Onion URLs, um, this is something they've been talking about for like a year, so hopefully this shouldn't really affect you, those of you who use the Tor Browser, because the websites have had plenty of warning. Additionally, the Tor Browser has updated their uh, user interface to look more like the new Firefox uh, I think it was like 93 or 92, they rolled out like their redesign, something like that. So yeah, now it looks more like modern Firefox. And that is it for FOSS. Tor Browser has been updated. If you use Tor Browser, which definitely has its uses and I encourage it, be sure to update. And now we will move into our Misfits section. Our first story says Gmail accounts are used in 91% of all baiting email attacks. Um, I just wanted to share this story with you guys because I feel like this is fighting the propaganda. Like, there's a lot of propaganda out there that's like, only bad people use encryption. Like, what do you got to hide? Ooh, it's, we got to stop the pedophiles and the drug dealers, which, don't get me wrong, those are bad people. But still, like, ooh, when the evidence is starting to suggest otherwise. Like, apparently most bad guys don't even give a crap about Proton and Tutanota and Signal. Like, they definitely don't give a crap about Signal because they all just got stung using some proprietary BS honeypot. So, yeah, it's like... Bad guys are not the only ones that use encryption, and half the time they don't use encryption. Look at that, 91% of these attacks are using Google accounts. The, the attackers are using Gmail. Like, they don't give a crap, man. Banning encryption won't stop bad guys. And our last story, a pair of PS5 hacks could be the first step towards jailbreaking Sony's latest console. Uh, I, I do not condone jailbreaking things because they introduce a lot of security vulnerabilities and stuff like that, but... I just wanted to share this because this is your weekly reminder that anything is hackable, you know, PlayStations. Uh, when I was in high school, I actually uh, had a friend who, uh, I guess, probably jailbroke my Xbox. I didn't ask at the time because I wasn't very tech savvy at the time, but uh, basically put uh, Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask on my Xbox and it's super awesome. I loved it. I had a great time. It was fun, but, you know, it's just... 
at the time I would have never thought I'm like you can you can hack an Xbox like what how it uh, it doesn't have a keyboard it doesn't have a screen how do you do that and yeah just anything is hackable guys anything if it if it has electronic components it's hackable uh, probably if it doesn't it's hackable but Anyways, yeah, just remember that. And that was all of our news this week. We had a ton of political stuff. Hopefully it helps you know what's going on in that world. We had another Robinhood data breach. Um, we had some more research about the dangers of JavaScript. So, yeah, I, I hope this was an educational and helpful report for you guys. I know it's kind of dry with all the political stuff, like I said, but... You know, that, that was the news this week. A reminder, our affiliate link this week is Simple Login. If you are not using email masking, I highly encourage you guys to check it out. It's life-changing. It'll really clean up your inbox. It'll help protect your privacy a little more. And again, you can check out Simple Login for free. They do have a free tier that's amazing. Or if you want to support us a little bit and support them too, you can use an affiliate link and help support us. We want to thank you for listening to Surveillance Report. We are so happy to know that you're trying to stay safe and up to date out there. The final thing we want to ask of you, as always, share the podcast around. Make sure you're subscribed. Give us a rating if you're on a platform where that's possible. Leave a comment. Leave a thumbs up. We're trying to reach as many people as possible with the message of privacy. And every interaction you have with these videos helps do that. So thank you again for listening. Thank you for staying safe out there. And we will see you next week.